0: So for those who don't know me, my name is Mornei, and um, I'm one of the elders serving here, and I've um, been part of the congregation for a while now, and um, really learning a lot, learning what to do, what not to do, <laughs> as we all should, and um, But man, just what I have on my heart this morning is uh, is life's ultimate question, and I will get to that in a while. But I first want to start off by sort of disclosing one of the, the recent TV shows that I've started to like. And it's not because I'm a financial guru or anything like that. I just like seeing the, the whack ideas that people come up with. And it's a show on TV called The Shark Tank or The Dragon's Den. In, in the UK, they call it The Dragon's Den. They call themselves The Dragons. Sounds, sounds better than The Shark's. And basically how this works, it's, it's this panel of about five very wealthy investors or business people. And they all sit on these fancy leather chairs that probably no one can afford. And then what happens is these business people or, or, or these people with these ideas, these entrepreneurs come to them. And they start pitching their business or they start pitching their ideas to these investors. And what happens is these entrepreneurs, they seek like a, an investment from these investors. In, in return for a share or, or a, a certain percentage of a stake in their company. And then how it would look like is they would come and they would pitch their idea and it, be, it would be great or not great. And then after that, the investors would then start asking them questions, almost like an interrogation type of sort of when I watch that, I almost feel like never in my life would I do that. And so these investors ask these questions. And I recently saw a video where this guy came with this weird hair product thing. I think it was extensions or something like that. And I thought, Ugh, here we go. And he pitched this massive idea of he wants to go global. He wants ex- his extensions all over the world and stuff. And I thought, yeah. And pitched his idea. It's great. Awesome. And then the investors start asking him questions. And they're asking questions. And he had this little phrase that he said before every question is after they asked him this question, he would look at him, and he, he, was, he, was a dra- he was in the dragons then, so he was British, so picture me saying this in my my best British accent. They would ask him a question, and he would say, that's a great question. And then they would ask him again, they would ask him another question, and he would say, that's a great question. And he would obviously answer the question, but you can see after a while, these investors started getting a bit irritated. Because obviously, for them being these wealthy, famous celebrities, they know they are asking great questions, okay? They've got the money. They've been asking the questions their whole lives. But every time, he says, that's a great question. And so after a while, it ended, and they didn't buy his idea. Thank goodness they did not buy his idea. But he kept on saying, you know, that's a great question. And we actually see in Scripture just how Jesus asked many, many, many questions. And in fact, in the Gospels, Jesus actually asked 307 questions, but he only answered three. In the Gospels, he asked 307 questions. And this morning, I want to speak about Probably the most important question of them all. The ultimate question we can ask ourselves and the ultimate question we can answer. And for those with Bibles, if we can turn our Bible to Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17. And Matthew writes and he says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And you look at that question, who do you say that I am? It's a pretty important question that Jesus asked the disciples. And I think all of us somewhere in our lives have been asked an important question. We've all been asked to answer certain important questions. And I think if you would ask my wife, probably the most important question in her life is me asking her, will you marry me? mean, how could she not? <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Uh, I still to this day say Rebecca's out of my league. But anyway, or maybe an important question to our male audience sitting here this morning, to all the men, is... Have you at least bride once this week? It's a very important question. But all of us have been asked very important questions in our lives. And we see Jesus asking the disciples this question. Is who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And it's that sort of scripture that when you read it and you read that question, you think, A great question. And actually, it's not just a great question. But it's the best question that you can ever ask a person. And it is probably one of the most important questions that you can ask a Christian. Is who do you say Jesus is? And how we answer that question. and, And even with what we answer that question. Will determine how we live. It will determine how we serve. It will determine how we love and it will reveal truly if Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings in our hearts. And I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said that, the, that the, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And this question we all have to answer somewhere. The fact that we are sitting here means that some of us have started answering this question. It means that some of us has asked this question to ourselves is who is Jesus to me? Who do you say that I am? And if you had to sort of break this scripture up, this this piece in Matthew into two parts, I would sort of say the first question which Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? I would say that is not who Jesus is. And the second part, is who is Jesus? So firstly, I want to look at who Jesus is not. And we read that sec- that, that first question which Jesus asked the disciples. And it's a less personal question. And, and we see there in verse 13. Matthew, Matthew 16 verse 13. Jesus asks and he says, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And you look at the context of where Jesus asked that question. Just the area. And in that time, the city of Philippi was a city under Roman rule and reign where these different shrines and and gods were being worshipped and they they had these different traditions and everything. And, And in the middle of the city, you would find this marble temple that was raised up by Herod the Great in order to honor Caesar. And in fact, actually Caesar at that time was considered a god by the people. And so, of course... Jesus would ask his disciples right there, who do these people say that I am? (laughs) This is the strategy in how he did that. In in and amongst all of this, there he asked them, who do these people say that I am? And you see the reply of the disciples in verse 13. It says, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And I think it's amazing to even note that somewhere, some of these people actually had to give thought to who Jesus was. Because they placed him in the same category as Elijah, as John the Baptist, as Jeremiah. So somewhere they had to think highly of him to place him in the same category. But just not highly enough. And I think if we had to ask that same question to ourselves today and even to some churches today all over the world, if we had to ask that same question to Christians today of who do the people say Jesus is, yo, I think we would find interesting answers. We would find different answers. Because we need to know that not every gospel being preached is the true gospel. Not every Jesus being preached is the true Jesus. We might find answers like the guru Jesus. And who is the guru Jesus? It's a wise and inspirational teacher who believes in you and helps you find your center. Or maybe even the hippie Jesus who teaches everyone to give peace a chance, to imagine a world without religion, and to help you remember that all you need is love. Or maybe even the cool Jesus. The friend who is always down. Who is hip and happening. And ready to hang with the crew. Possibly even we would find the investor or prosperity Jesus. A financial advisor who teaches that your return on your investment is everything. And that money is like honey. Honey. It's sweet. And possibly even life coach Jesus. A guide to help you live your best life in seven easy steps. Be retired at age 40 and be the best you only you can possibly be. Or maybe if I would speak to, uh, dare I say it, some some of the Afrikaans of those around us. Maybe it's the Jesus Who says you need to buy a caravan, have four children, and have holiday in Hartenbos every December? (laughs) Sorry, I'm just being naughty there. I can't take credit for that. But we would find answers like these. Because the world we live in today has taken the radical out of Christianity, and they've made it relatable. It was never meant to be, oh, how can Christianity relate? No, it's how can Christianity be radical? And in fact, in 2022 in America, a study was done on the Generation Z, or as we would know them, the Gen Z generation. And for those who don't know, this generation is those born from 1997 up until 2012. And I don't want to make eye contact because I'm part of that generation. And in fact, and now this, this was done in America. And this is actually the largest generation group. In America at the moment. Coming just under 70 million percent of the population. Not percent, sorry. 70 million people. Oh, sorry, Yo, it's been a while since I've done math, sorry. But they're coming just under 70 million people. You guys get the picture, alright? But 70 million percent sounds better anyway. And the study was done. To see how this generation perceive and view Jesus. And these are the answers that came out. This is what the Gen Z generation is saying about Jesus. First, Jesus was human and he sinned. And nearly 40% of Gen Z non-Christians and Christians believes that Jesus was human and that he sinned. Secondly, is Jesus was an advocate for justice. 35% believe that Jesus was an advocate for justice and that his mission is to rid the world of social injustice. Third, is Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. 61% of Gen Z Christians believe Jesus was crucified, but only half believe. That he rose from the dead. And the last one that came out. Is Jesus is not active in the world today. Only 32% of the Gen Z Christians believe. That Jesus is active in the world today. Meaning that majority of them do not believe. That he's active and working in their lives every day. And you ask yourself why. And right at the beginning. Of that study, it says that only 13% of this generation is biblically engaged. Only 13% of this 70 million is biblically engaged. But I also want to say that it's not just the younger generation. I think every generation somewhere has a draw or a bend or a lens that they will view Jesus from. Somewhere there will be something cultural. Somewhere there will be a bend or a draw through which they view Jesus. Past hurts. Past lenses. Teachings. Everything. And I think it's why we see so many churches and Christians believe in a gospel that is not true. Believe in a Jesus that is not true. Because it's not being preached correctly from the pulpit. And even I am very challenged on how and what I preach. On how I preach the gospel. And the thing is, the big thing is, is they were trying to move the foundation that was never supposed to be moved. And that is Jesus. And we see Paul writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. He writes to them, he says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's only one true Jesus, one true gospel, one foundation on which our lives and the church can be built upon. And I came across a video that I asked Yanni to download so graciously. Donkey Yanni. And it's just about these people went into the streets of New York. And they actually went up to strangers and they asked them who Jesus is. If we can just play that. Just, you know. Historical figure. I don't know. I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person, like us. He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was a marketing genius, because he got people to believe him. I don't I don't think he's the son of God. I don't, don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed. Like, I'm not going to say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi and so was Muhammad and so was, you know, we're all God's children. Jesus is someone I pray to. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, um, and he To me is the like symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that like constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened like religiously and morally. Was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others and I I think that's just a lot of Love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just he, he was God, and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. So that's what they found on the streets of New York. So we've seen now, and, and I've tried my best to show, that this is not who Jesus is in this first part. So when Jesus asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? Oh, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah. And then as we carry on with the scripture in Matthew, we come to the penultimate question. Life's ultimate question. And it's a quest, the second question. That Jesus asked the disciples. And it's in verse 15. And it says there that he said to them. But who do you say that I am? And there one man. Made a statement. One man made a statement. That answered this question. Which Jesus asked. And in verse 16 it says there. And Simon Peter replied. You are the Christ. The son of. Of the living God. And just picture this moment. In and amongst all of this happening. The disciples going. And this is not their answers. But the people saying. Elijah, John the Baptist. Here Peter comes and he says. Jesus. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. He didn't say look who it is. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. And what Peter in that moment did, he was, sp- he was speaking truth. He was revealing who Jesus is. And if we had to ask ourselves this morning, who is Jesus to you? Who do I say Jesus is? This is who he is. In John 1 verse 29, John writes and he says, the next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it wasn't just this picture of this. It wasn't just John saying, Oh, look who it is. But now he was saying, Behold, can you see who this is? It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in John 1 verse 27, he even went as far as saying that this is the one whose strap of his sandals I am not worthy to untie. It's the one who used a few loaves and a few fish to feed thousands, who had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, the one who made the lame walk, made the blind to see, who healed the sick, the one of whom Paul said, I count. Everything has lost for the sake of knowing Him. And the one who John saw in a revelation with hair as white as wool, with eyes like a flame of fire, and with a voice roaring like many waters. It's the one who's more than just a comforter. It's the one who challenges us, who comes and meets us, with incredible grace and mercy, but at the same time exposes everything and anything in us that is not of Him and that is keeping us from being what He intends us to be. It's the one sent by the Father to die on a cross for our sins and who was raised on the third day and defeated death forever. It's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is the one who Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is who he is. It's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's not just who he was. This is who he is today. This is who he should be to us every single day. That when we wake up, we ask ourselves, who is Jesus to me? Man, he's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. He's the lamb of God. Come to take away the sins of the world. So who do we say he is? Who is he to us? And if you think of it, I thought about this example. If I introduce my wife, to someone. I don't just drag her and say, this is my wife, Rebecca. Very nice to meet her, or or so on. No. I go, have you met my wife? Have you seen my wife? This is my wife. And if someone had to come to you this morning, because I've messed this up so many times, where you sit in a coffee shop and You've maybe got your Bible next to you, almost try and hide it. But if someone had to come to you this morning, who is Jesus? You would say, "Let me tell you. This is who He is. It's the Jesus of the Bible, the Son of God, the Christ." And as I draw to a close, how do we answer this question? How do we refrain from saying Elijah, John the Baptist? We start off by accepting him into our lives and into our hearts and making him Lord of all we are and Lord of all we have. We believe that he is who he says he is in Scripture. We believe that the gospel is the true gospel. That the truth is the truth which Jesus is speaking. That he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And it's not just a matter of believing, but actually knowing that this is truth. And not just saying, I believe it's truth. No, it's knowing that this is truth. We cannot be lopsided. I love how C.S. Lewis said once. He said that Christianity, if false is of no importance. And if true, it's of infinite importance. But the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. We have to decide and and say, man, Jesus is everything. He's the only truth, the only way, the only life. We do this by studying the scriptures. And by allowing the Bible to come and reveal to us who Jesus is, and to be, not, and not to be afraid of, of allowing the Bible to come and challenge any preconceived ideas we have, any culture thing that we have, anything like that, we allow the Bible to show us who Jesus is. And then, in humility, we come before Him, by grace, through faith. And we ask him, Lord, would you reveal to me who you are? Would you show me who you are? Because we read in Matthew 16, we see Jesus' answer to Peter. In in verse 17, it says, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, it was a gift from the Father that revealed this to Peter. It was a gift from the Father that, re- that gave Peter this revelation of Jesus. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's the same for us today. That many, many years ago, the Father revealed Jesus to the world and He said, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And He will do that for us today. If we come to Him and we ask, Lord, come and reveal. Come and show me who you are. Come and show me who you are.